some fluff. It's good worship this morning. Thank you, Ryan and Christine, for leading us and team. Enjoyed that. Uh, we just finished, Pastor Scott just finished a couple weeks ago, a series called To Have and to Hold. It was a uh, marriage series. And if you're here and you missed it, um, you can always catch any of our sermons for that matter, but those ones especially are on our website at udac.ca. And uh, they were really good. And we encourage you as couples, if you missed any of those, to go together and go listen to those. Um, there are some really good messages that were in there. Um, <clears throat> last week, we had our, our Good Friday service followed by our Easter Sunday services, which are always a highlight here at UDAC. Some of my favorite services are around the Easter time. And um, it was wonderful. There's some cool news that um, we celebrated. Uh, we had, a, I think, one of our record numbers on, on that Sunday. You know, some of us wonder how many people are coming to church here when we have the two services, but there was almost 450 people uh, between those two services on Sunday, and that's pretty awesome. But what's even more awesome than those numbers, which those are good, but there were 12 people that indicated between those two servers that they wanted to give their life to Jesus. That deserves something there. That's the work of Jesus, and that is worth celebrating because the angels were celebrating last weekend um, over those 12 people. And you know what? We just want to remind you, if you're on your journey with Jesus and you have started that, if you were one of those people that put your hand up and said, yeah, I want to surrender it all. I want to give my life to Christ. Um, we, we encourage you to talk with people. Last week, we encouraged you to come and talk, and some did, but if you hadn't had an opportunity to do that, we invite you to come and make sure that you connect with one of us pastors or the couple up here. Carl and Amethyst will be up here afterwards. They would love to chat with you and pray with you. There's a little bag of info material that we love to share with you. Let us know. You're not meant to do this life on your own. None of us are. We're meant to do this together. And so be sharing where you're at on this journey with others. That is really important. You can fill out a welcome card, Drop it in the, uh, info, at the info desk. That would be another way to connect with us, uh, and we will certainly follow that up. But today, we're starting a new series of messages on 1 Peter. And it's entitled, Exiles, <clears throat> excuse me, Exiles in, um, in Hope. But before I read the passage this morning, let me give you some background to this book. Um, Peter, of course, is the author. He's the apostle of Jesus and uh, it's first written to the Jewish Christians who had been driven out of Jerusalem and scattered throughout Asia Minor, known as our modern-day Turkey. Uh, they went up into the central part, northern and eastern parts of what we would call Turkey today, and they were exiled, in a sense, trying to escape the persecution in Jerusalem. You know, but this book is also written to the believers everywhere, including us today, both you and me. Peter was writing... Um, and wanting these early Christians and us to be encouraged in finding victory in the midst of suffering. Finding victory in the midst of suffering. Peter knew that those early Christians were under some significant suffering for their faith, and he was wanting to encourage them on their journey with Jesus. And this book is meant to be that, an encouragement for all of us today, whatever it is we're going through as well. Jesus said, in John, that, there, that here on earth you will have trials and sorrows. You will struggle. There will be tough times. So it's really not a matter of 
if it's a matter of when we have those trials and those struggles. And some of you are here today, and you're right in the thick of it. You're right in the middle of it, aren't you? And some have gone through it already, have been in it for a while. And maybe you've come out the other side already. Or maybe there's some of you that are on the edge, knowing that something big is happening or going to happen. Many first century followers of Christ were suffering and being abused and persecuted for believing and, in, in, and obeying Jesus. Beginning in Jerusalem at the hands of, of their uh, Jewish brothers, the persecution spread to the rest of the world wherever Christians gathered. It climaxed with, the Roman, uh, with Rome, determined to rid the empire of the Christ ones, if you will, those who would not bow to Caesar. Peter was not a stranger to suffering either and could speak from firsthand experience. For he'd been beaten and jailed Peter had been threatened often because he followed and put his trust in Jesus. And so he writes this letter to those Christians scattered in Asia there, in Asia Minor, encouraging them and wanting them to persevere on their journey. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter is the end of the New Testament after Hebrews and James. You'll find 1 Peter tucked in there. And we're just going to read the first few verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Like I said, we just came through Easter that celebrates that Jesus, perfect in every way, died to pay for our sins a penalty that was owing to me, to you. Yet he took our place willingly. But he didn't stay dead. And on Sunday we celebrated that he is alive. This Jesus that died for you and me is alive. I love that Peter makes this the anchor, the centering post, if you will, as he encourages us 
remembering that Jesus, who died for you and rose from the dead, he's not dead. He's not. The rest of that verse I shared from John about Jesus telling that we in this world are going to suffer and there's going to be trials, he goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. He did it last weekend. We celebrated just that, that he has overcome this. There is victory in the midst of suffering, folks. And then I love the next section. Um, In verse uh, 4, it says, And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. So God has reserved what kind of inheritance? A priceless one. A priceless inheritance for his children, for you and I, for anyone who's put their trust and their hope in Jesus, for anyone that raised their hand and said yes to Jesus. There is a priceless inheritance awaiting you in heaven. I don't know about you, but what goes through my mind, I kind of get a little excited about that. A priceless inheritance what could this be? And yet there's this unknown. What could this priceless inheritance refer to? What is heaven's perspective when it comes to priceless? When in heaven, they pave the streets with gold. Hmm. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, for me, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Let that sink in for a minute. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And so like I said, I love how Peter starts this passage out when he's really wanting to encourage them on the suffering that they're in, but he starts with anchoring them with Jesus and says, remember Jesus who died for you, who loves you, and that there's this inheritance waiting for us all. And so there's this perspective, right, that's going on. And in verse 5, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire, is, uh, as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than your gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So again, we have this one perspective of Jesus in heaven, or Jesus who's died for us, And in heaven, an inheritance awaits us. And then he says, but God will protect us on our journey, on our journey with Jesus here on earth, until we receive this priceless inheritance that awaits us in heaven. And it will be revealed to everyone one day. It's going to be known. So there is going to be struggles and suffering. And that can look so different for each of us. Physical pain, physical abuse, debilitating disease and sickness, social pressures, financial crisis, family loss, family uh, and relationship breakdowns, and the list goes on on what this could all be. 
for the early church that Peter was writing to, they probably were in the middle of a, a lot of those kinds of things as well. The same kinds of things that you and I suffer with, but they were also being persecuted because they were followers of Jesus. They would not worship the emperor of Rome as God or worship at any of the pagan temples. And the brighter their light shone for Jesus, the more suffering and persecution they would experience. They would have been tempted to throw in the towel, to quit. But Peter was writing this letter to encourage them to stay the course. There is victory in the midst of suffering. God knew that these young Christians needed hope. They needed to be reminded and encouraged and lifted up. And he had Peter write this letter to them. Stay the course. I'm with you. I'm in the middle of it. Seven, verse seven, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much, bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That's awesome. Not only is Jesus going to be lifted up at the end, but so will you. You will be honored. You will receive much praise and glory and honor on that day because of your faith, for your perseverance, for enduring the journey. So what is it that might be causing you to give in or give up on trusting Jesus? Have you caught yourself saying or thinking things like, so where is Jesus in the middle of this? Where is he? Or if, if this is what it's going to be like, who needs him? Who needs him? Or maybe it's more subtle. Maybe it's just, I don't know what to do. And you start to back away slowly. You start to give up on your faith. You start to give up on the things that matter to God, that are important to God. And you start to move away. You get off center from what Jesus really wants you to be doing. I don't know, or maybe some variation of, of those things is what's going through your head as you are in the middle of this stuff. It may well be a faith test. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. When gold is heated and put the flames to it, impurities float to the surface and can be skimmed away and the gold becomes more pure. This is like our faith. As we grow or as we go through suffering and trials of different kinds, we become more and more refined, and our faith becomes stronger and stronger as we persevere. As we go through the thick of it, as we go through the tough stuff, and we persevere, our faith becomes stronger. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, and if you hang around with me much, you'll know that Abraham is one of my favorite characters. I, love, I, I like to read his stuff, uh, read his journey. It's been a while since I've looked back at that, but if you go back to Genesis 12 through about 22, you see his journey that Abraham was on. And in about 22, chapter 22, is where God asked him to go up the mountain and sacrifice his only son as a burnt offering to God. Wow. What an ask. How did Abraham do it? 
How did he manage to take his only son up the mountain, as God had asked him to do, and prepare to sacrifice his son? He knew that this God was a God worth trusting. He had seen God at work over and over and over again in his life, and on this journey he was on. This was no different. He knew that he could trust God in the midst of this. He walked up that mountain with his son in tow, knowing from a lifetime perspective with God, God was worth trusting. Abraham had a crazy journey. There was times he muffed it up. He, he didn't persevere at points. He, he didn't trust God. He tried to do his own thing. And yet through it all, God kept bringing him back to center and kept going, no, you can do this. And as Abraham looked back after this lifetime with God, he goes, yeah, I can go up the mountain with my son in tow, knowing that this God is a God worth trusting. Our faith is being tested like gold, though your faith is far more precious than just mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. There's one other little statement that we passed over I want to come back to, and that's in the middle of chapter 5, or verse 5. And it's God is protecting you. Verse 5 says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Everyone's going to see it, that God has protected us and is protecting us. In the message, I love how it says, God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. God is keeping careful watch. And then in the NIV, it says the same verse, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Those are some great images for us to understand what it means for us to journey in the middle of suffering. That God is there protecting us. God is keeping careful watch over us. He will shield us and protect us on this journey that we are on. What are the images that come to mind? He's carefully watching us. He is a shield around us. And we're not talking about just some little Captain America shield. You know, we're talking about the Star Trek, you know, shields up, you know, all around us, kind of protecting. Okay, maybe that's a bad image. I don't know. But God is with us in the middle of it. It doesn't mean that we're going to be immune from suffering or struggles or that they're going to disappear instantly. But we will be protected and watched over cared for. Does this not bring some level of comfort and encouragement to you this morning? That God is right there with us in these hard moments when you're in those hard moments, not if. So where are you this morning? Maybe for you right now, things are going just fine. Great, in fact. And you know what? It's okay to be okay. It's okay for things to be going great. We went to the movie Paul, the Apostle of Christ, a couple weeks ago with our small group. It's a good movie. Uh, great perspective on Paul's 
life at the end in Rome, imprisoned. And um, one part that I think was really great in the movie is how they show Luke. Luke, another apostle, uh, he wrote the book of Acts and the, um, um, the gospel of Luke. And in the movie, he was actually in the process of gathering information and writing material for the book of Acts, actually. Uh, so it's really cool. But he ends up getting access to, prison, to the prison cell that Paul was in, and he goes in there to encourage and strengthen Paul, not just once, but several times. And you can see the difference it made in Paul's life. At the beginning of the movie, Paul was discouraged, and he was in prison and hunched over. Like he, but by the end, he did, he was executed at the end of this. But as he went, there was a sense of peace and purpose. I have run the race. I have done it. It is over. And he was encouraged by his fellow brother, Luke. Now, we don't know if this is actually how it happened, but it very well could have been very similar. God was right there with Paul the Apostle in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his trials as he was going through it in prison. God gave Paul strength through Luke, who came in and encouraged and supported and helped. It's a great, great story and a, a good reminder of how God comes alongside us. There's another little story I'd like to share with you. It's, it's kind of a little funny story. And some of you have probably heard it before. And it's about this um, man who's stranded on, a, on his rooftop. And there's a flood. The flood's rising. And as the flood's going up, he knows he's going to die probably if he doesn't get rescued. And so he starts to pray. And a little rowboat comes. And as the rowboat comes, they, they, they yell out to him, you know, come, come down, we're, you know, jump in the boat, we got you. And he's going, no, 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 I'm praying to God. I have faith that God's going to save me. Go on. And they try to convince him, they go, no. So the rowboat goes away, and then a motorboat comes. And the water's rising higher and higher, and um, they yell to him, come, jump in the boat. No, 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 I'm praying to God. I have faith God's going to save me. Take off. So they finally leave. And the water's, you know, right up to the peak of the house, and he's probably climbed up onto the chimney because that's the only spot left to, you know, to sit. And he's up there praying, and a helicopter comes. They put down the rope. Hey, grab the rope. We got you. No, no, no. No, no. I'm praying God's going to save me. No problem. They try to convince him to take the rope. Nothing. The man does drown. And he goes to heaven. And he finally has a chance to discuss this with God. God, what's going on? I... I I had faith that you were going to save me. What's the deal? And God said, hey, I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What did you expect? And the point is that God is always there for us in many different ways. In the midst of our suffering, it might look like a rowboat. It might look like a helicopter. Maybe you're here and you're in the midst of some very difficult life stuff. Maybe you think that God has maybe forgotten you or, or he's not listening. Start first by looking back at Jesus. Anchor yourself in the truth that Jesus died for you and loves you and that there's this inheritance that's awaiting you in heaven. Anchor yourself there in that fact. 
And then until then, until we get that end prize, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. You're not meant to do life on your own. Let people in. Let people in. You're not meant to do life on your own. Look for the rowboats and the helicopters in your life. That may well be God's answer to your prayers. Victory in the midst of suffering. Or if you're here and you're on the other side of the fence, God might be asking you to be that helicopter or rowboat in someone else's life around you. Have you asked God, things are going awesome, so have you asked God, God, how can I come alongside other people to be their support, to be the Luke for Paul, to be that person for somebody else? God may well be wanting you to come alongside others that are in the thick of it, just like Luke did for his brother Paul. This is a great reminder this morning. And like I said at the beginning, I love how Paul anchors us with Jesus. I cannot imagine doing life without him. I can't imagine doing and going through some of the things we've been going through, you know, as a family without Jesus. Reminding myself that he loves us. And we sang about that in these songs. The songs were great this morning that you know, kind of set the table for this message. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do it in community. That's why there is University Drive Alliance Church. We're in this together. And so as we close this morning, I ask you, where are you at on your journey with Jesus? Amethyst and Carl are going to come up here in a moment. And they would love to pray with you. They would love to hear the journey that you're on. They would love to know maybe you're one of the ones that raised your hand this last week or at some point recently gave your life to Jesus. Have them just pray for you. Maybe it's nothing specific. Just say, hey, I'm in the middle of starting this journey with Jesus. I need prayer and support. Or maybe there's something else that you're in the thick of. Come and pray with them. Or with others, Aaron, Pastor Aaron's here, myself, Steph's here. There's others of us here that would love to journey with you because we're not meant to do this alone. We need to open that door, the vault of our life, and allow people to journey with us because God may well want you to be doing that. He does want you to be doing that. Let me close in prayer this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for these words of encouragement this morning that Peter wrote for us, that you wrote for us through Peter. Thank you for centering us in the fact that Jesus loves us deeply, that died for us, that rose again. He's not dead. He is alive. We have such hope in that. No matter what we're going through, we can reflect and, and remember that Jesus is alive. 
And yeah, there's this inheritance awaiting for us, waiting for all of us on the other side. Whenever that comes, God, thank you for the promises that are in Scripture. But as we journey here on earth, God, I pray that you would give us strength and courage, perseverance. You know, for some, it means to open up the vault of our life, to let others in, to help us journey. God, I pray you'd give us all that we need to do that. And for other of us here, others of us here, it's to be willing to enter into other people's lives and the stuff that's going on to support and be like Luke, to be the rowboat and the helicopters for others that are in need and we're the answer for them. God wants to use us in and through us to help others. God, I pray you would guide and direct our steps. And as we go different directions this morning, may we reflect on those things. May you challenge us where we're at. Maybe we're in the middle of all of that and we can uh, allow people in and at the same time, God, you can help us to serve others. Thank you this morning. We pray your blessing as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.